0: Okay. We are going to start a new section. Well actually it's the same section, we're just moving into a different passage. As we get a little deeper into first John, and we're going to be looking at well, we'll begin looking at first John chapter two verses three through six. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected hereby know we that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked so um, getting ready to look into a, a, a new section and uh, we know already, we know that John is writing to believers. That's why he calls them little children. He's writing to believers. He's writing to believers who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've been spiritually born again. Uh, and uh, what he's talking to them is not so much proofs of their salvation, but rather he's talking to them about their fellowship with God who is light. And so it's more of uh, uh, the means of fellowship rather than proof of, of salvation is what he's talking about. Okay? How can I have fellowship with my Father? And that's what he's focusing on. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. But we do know him. And because we know him, we want to know him even more. And so how do we know him even more? We know him even more through uh, fellowship. We've already seen that Jesus Christ, the righteous, is our advocate in heaven. We've also seen that Jesus Christ the righteous is our propitiation. In both of these things we are assured of not only our place in heaven, but we are also assured of our fellowship with God. Uh, Hebrews 9:24 says for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So we have a great high priest in heaven that has appeared in the presence of God for us. So our our um, our salvation is assured in Christ and our fellowship is also assured in Christ because of what Christ has accomplished. So the first few blanks on your study guide, uh, we're still in the first major section of this epistle. Okay? Um, And that's what we're considering. So your blanks here is we have fellowship with God who is light, I believe is the title. So the very first blank is A, the proof of fellowship is walking in the light. That's what John 1, 5 through 8 was all about. This is a walk in the light that is expressed by an open and honest appraisal of oneself in the light of God's word. Our relationship with the Father. Uh, We don't play games with sin. We take sin very seriously because we're so jealous of our fellowship with God. We don't want anything to disrupt that fellowship. That's why we take sin seriously. B, the provision of fellowship is the confession of our sins. Okay, we saw that in 1 John 1, 9 through 10. When we do sin, there is to be a timely rather than a prolonged delay... In our confession of sin. Don't, don't sit there and percolate in your sin. Right? Deal with it. Get it taken care of. And we get it taken care of by confessing it. Lord, I messed up. It's all on me. I am sorry. Right? Confess it. Get it out. And then God promises to do what? He promises to forgive us and to cleanse us so that we can maintain that fellowship. So many people do not take advantage of that. And so many people will abuse that. And we, I think we went into that in some detail. Uh, C, then there's the position of our fellowship. And that's what we spent some time on in chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Uh, this is based on the completed work of Jesus Christ, the righteous at the cross. His ever-current and abiding advocacy on our behalf before the throne and as being the once and for all propitiation for our sins. So it's not what I do that keeps me in heaven. It's what Jesus Christ has done. Right, he is my propitiation. Do you remember what that was? He's my mercy seat, the blood-covered mercy seat. So my sins are covered because of what Jesus Christ. Now, what we are going to consider is the next thing, and stick with me with some of the terminology, okay? So that so the, your blanks are this. And we're now going to consider the proving flash testing. The proving of such fellowship is obedience to his word, submission to his will, and love for the brethren. And that's what we're going to cover in verses 3 through 11. So that's obedience to his word, submission to his will, and love for the brethren. Now, our knowing God is due to our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah, You cannot know the Father without knowing the Son. Really, Jeff, where do you get that? Uh Uh-huh. Jesus himself said it. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse seven: If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From, from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. So, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You know the Father as well. You know the Father as well. Um, I will say this, and again, stick with me on some of the phrases that I use. And I'll hope you know this is one of those lessons that I wish I had the time to get through the whole lesson, but I'm not. Okay, because I think for some of you, you might kind of struggle with what I'm getting ready to say. But hang in there. All right? Uh, faith in God's Son for salvation is the starting point of our obedience to God. Anybody have heartburn with that? Good, because it's biblical. Faith in God's Son for salvation is the starting point of our obedience to God. And failure to do so has severe consequences. Alright? 2 Thessalonians 1.8 In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alright? So there's the obedience the, to the gospel. And what is that obedience? Believe believe you believe the gospel. First Peter 4:17 for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. if it first begin at us what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? How do we obey? We believe what God said concerning his son and our sin. That's believing the gospel. First Peter. First Peter 4:17. Our obedience Is the fruit of this knowledge. The product of a saving faith in God's provision in Christ's propitiatory work on the cross is covering. Alright? Faith is obedience. Okay? Uh, And obedience is, is, uh, and our faith of obedience is proof in knowing God. Alright? So on your study guide. Uh, I think it's uh, the capital letter A. Obedience is the test of knowing. Obedience is the test of knowing. Uh, again, First John 2, 3, And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So if you think about it, folks... What is John doing here? He's simply expanding upon what he talked about in 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Remember I told you he had certain themes, and these themes he would expand on as he goes through this epistle, and that's exactly what he's doing here. Um, You remember in school when we had to take tests? Yeah, I remember that. I always dreaded taking tests in school because i never really did very good on taking tests in school you know as far as the the, the 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 assignments you know like the homework my homework was always done you know if there was something i had to do for class I, it was always done i always took care of that but when it came test time I did terribly. I did absolutely terribly when it came test time. Now I understand testing is done in the academic environment to measure how much you have retained what you have been, what they try to cram into your little skull. All right, that's that's the way that they measure uh, how much you've retained the information that you that you've been given. But is testing always a good indication of your grasp of that information? Yeah. No, it's not, is it? I mean, I know a lot of folks who pass tests very well, but really don't know anything about the information. Uh, this is true also in the spiritual world, in the spiritual environment. So on your study guide, one can be highly educated in the Bible... You know, they know all the books of the Bible. They can quote volumes of verses. They know all of the sevens in the Bible. But all this education is no guarantee of a pure heart or a sanctified and submitted will to God's word. So highly educated, pure heart, submitted. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Not I've said this because it was said to me, and I believe it. The heart of the matter in all things is the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter in all things in regards to God is the heart of the matter. What is your heart? Um, I, I heard one man preach one time. And he said, give me one man whose heart is perfect before God. Even though that man may fail and fall over a dozen times, he says, give me one man whose heart is perfect before God, before men whose hearts are not perfect before before the Lord, but yet are very knowledgeable in God's word. He says, I can work with a man like that. I can work with a man. I can work with a woman like that. Right? Right? Um, The book of Proverbs states it this way, Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for faithful people. He can work (laughs) with our mistakes and failures. But as long as we maintain that perfect and faithful heart toward God, he can work with that. He can work with that. So that fellowship with our Father, this is what John is writing about. This is what John is writing about. So by review, uh, let me um, remind us of some things. So on your study guide, John has written to us who are born again, sons of God, about the Father. God is light and he has written about the Son, Jesus Christ the righteous. So he's writing to born again people, folks. Alright, right, we have to keep that in mind. The second thing is John has written about fellowship with the Father and the Son in sincerity and truth. Sincerity and truth. Remember, I hammered on that a lot. Sincerity and truth, to walk in the light as he is in the light. To be willing, is your blank, to acknowledge any sin that we become aware of. And be ready to confess that sin we do become aware of. Alright? So be willing to say, yeah, I messed up. And then be willing to confess it. So many people, are they're just so hesitant to admit that they have sinned or they've messed up or it's their fault. They just don't like doing that. That's a hindrance to your growth. The third thing is, is he's also encouraged his children not to become overwhelmed, is you're blank with guilt. Overwhelmed with guilt and failure when we do sin, and, and we will sin. But to be assured of his forgiveness and cleansing, because we have an advocate in heaven, that is the propitiation for our sins honestly folks if God was not going to forgive you and cleanse you he would say so but he says so right here in 1 John 1 9 but there are so many people that hang hang on to this guilt they hang on to it that's a hindrance to your fellowship with God that's a hindrance to your growth that's a hindrance to your growth the next blank John now continues with, and hereby we do know that we know him. John, as is the intention of this epistle, is now to assure, is your blank, assure us of something that is important for us to be sure of. So assure and sure is your two words. This passage that begins and hereby we do, hereby we know is a, here's your blank, declaration about being knowledgeable of something based upon some form of evidence or observable proof. Declaration, knowledgeable evidence. Is everybody keeping up? (laughs) Okay. And hereby we do know that we know him. John four times uses the word know in this little passage. Now, huh. If he uses the word know four times, what is he saying? There's something he wants you to know. Right? There's something that we need to know. So, on your study guide, having laid the groundwork of fellowship... That's what we went through with 1 John 1, 5 through 10, you know, 1 John 2, 1 through 2. Having laid the groundwork of fellowship, John now addresses the goal or the results of fellowship. And that goal and result is to know Him. That's what fellowship is all about. To come to know God. Folks, we don't have a spiritual baby daddy that has conceived us and went and left us, as Jerry Springer would would say. <laughs> All right, we don't. We don't. And there are so many, so many unfortunate people. That's their viewpoint of God. You know, that, that, that God has kind of left you on your own, and that's a terrible place to be. That's a terrible place to be. Do you realize that God desires to have fellowship with his children? Just like any father would desire to have fellowship with their children, our father desires to have fellowship with us. That's not the issue. you know what the issue is? How bad do we desire to have fellowship with him? That's the issue. That's always been the issue. How badly do I desire to have fellowship with my father? Do I desire to have fellowship with my father enough to be honest about myself and my sin and deal with that sin as I should? Or am I going to play this silly little game? You know, am I going to hold grudges against somebody? Am I going to refuse to forgive somebody because they said this or said that or something didn't go my way? So I'm going to throw a little temper tantrum. Is that what I'm going to do? That's not that's not good, that's not a good place to be and what you're doing is you're cheating yourself out of fellowship with the Father, I don't care what game you might play, you might tell yourself I'm good with God and you may not be, just don't play that game, it's not good so to come to know the Father and the Son, that's the desired outcome of being in fellowship with God and I don't know about you guys, but I want to come to know my Father I want to come to know Him I really do. And the only way I'm going to come to know my Father is to walk in agreement with Him. Right? Can two walk together? Least they be agreed. So the more you are in agreement with the Father, I'm thinking the better our fellowship will be. That's not difficult to figure out. Might be hard to live, but it's not difficult to figure out. So, what is it that we teach in discipleship? It's not a religion, it's a relationship, All right? So on your study guide, number one, fellowship is the issue. Fellowship is the issue. First John two: three, and hereby we do know him. Th- we do know that we know him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay? That doesn't mean that person's lost. It just means he's not walking in agreement with God. And when you're not walking in agreement with God who is light, you're walking in what? Darkness. And when you're walking in darkness, guess what's not operating inside? The truth. The truth. But when you are walking in agreement with God, you are walking in the light. What's operating in you? The truth. See, that's what that is. So on your study guide, contrary to how this passage is presented and taught by some, the proof that John writes about is not for salvation, but rather fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. You see, the Gospel of John deals with your salvation. The first epistle of John deals with your fellowship after you were saved. Okay? So on your study guide, where some of these fine teachers, and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way, because there are some really good teachers out there who who think of this epistle in that light. Okay? Okay? For some of these fine teachers have gotten themselves in a twist is that they appear, is your blank to make obedience rather than faith in Jesus Christ as the determining factor whether one is heaven bound or not. Yes ma'am. Before that, there are good Bible teachers that have used this passage as a means of blank, whether someone is saved or not. As a test, yeah, as a test, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They use this epistle as a test to judge whether or not somebody is saved, or they'll say this is a test so that you can apply it to yourself to see whether or not you're saved. No, all the way back in verse four. All the way back in verse three, he says. Um, uh, verse four, he says, And these things write we unto you, uh, that your joy may be full." He's talking about your fellowship with God. That's, I mean, he starts off this epistle with that, with that thing, uh, verse three. So, I, thank you, uh, um, Sher, uh, Sherry, for pointing that out. Yeah, they use it to test whether or not you're saved or not. That's not the that's not the intention of this epistle. Okay, and that's why I spent all the time in understanding the propitiation that Jesus Christ is. Right? He, we're covered under the blood. Right? Uh, that's why I talked about His advocacy uh, and all of that. You know, it, it, it all depends on Jesus Christ. Um, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not and performs good works is condemned already. That's not what it says. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's unbelief that condemns men today. And it's belief that saves men today. All right? It's unbelief that condemn men to hell. Not failure in good works. It's not what it's all about. So on your study guide. Uh, and again, Shari, thank you for pointing that out. Because that's important to understand that some of these guys teach this epistle in that regard as a test of one's salvation. So on your study guide, there is such a heavy emphasis. Heavy emphasis upon good works made... That the reader is left with the impression that there is no guarantee for the believer that they are saved unless they have the works to back it up to prove that they are saved. So heavy emphasis, guarantee, and prove. Is everybody there? Okay. There's a plank before that? that. Well then I don't know what that blank is. Oh, you got that? Okay. My assurance is based on what God has wrought and not on my works. Yeah, sometimes I rewrite my lesson and I forget what I put on the study guides. That's why I put this little checklist up here. You know, the way some folks approach this epistle, unless you have certain boxes that you check off, you know, okay, I I go to church regularly. I I read my Bible regularly. I'm involved in ministry, you know. Yeah, I was baptized as a believer. Yeah, Yeah, I go to the Lord's Supper. You know, all these little things that we check off. I witness to my neighbor. You know, they, they say all of those things are, are, they have to be evident. They have to be there to prove that you're saved. To prove that you're saved. But that goes contrary to what John wrote. Not only in this epistle, but what he wrote in his gospel as well. Right? The whole reason why John wrote his gospel the key verse of John's gospel is John chapter twenty, verses thirty through thirty-one. He says that many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. There's no mention of proof of good works. It's faith in his name, belief in his name. I think it is a part of our human nature also I believe it is it is the message that is preached by the world I mean you watch some of these old black and white movies you know and they present the church and they never give you a clear gospel believing in Jesus it's always what? It's because somebody's a good person you know I mean, even John Wayne, who is a rascal, you know, they portray him as going to heaven because he does one good, one good work. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that's the movies. And so we're inundated with this, this, this thinking we have to earn, we have to earn, we have to earn. Yes, Ron? I wonder if we could insert the Epistle of Galatians right here. Oh, definitely. In fact, I'm going to be going there in just a minute. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So unless you have these boxes checked off, then chances are you may or may not be saved. Where's the assurance in that, folks? Really, really, where is the assurance? And it goes contrary to God uh, John's gospel. It goes contrary to his epistle, 1 John 5:13. He says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And have all these boxes ticked off as well. It's not there. It's not there. Now, on your study guide. I hope this is on your study guide. Because that's two strikes now. I do understand the intentions of these teachers, but the emphasis placed upon works versus faith contradicts. Is it on there? Woo-hoo! All right. Contradicts but the Bible teaches us about salvation my salvation is not guaranteed that you're blank so much on my works but rather what God's word says about Christ's work is your blank on the cross what saith the word of God salvation, salvation. Yeah. Christ's work on the cross guaranteed yeah 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 that's just a little so on your study guide my assurance is based on what God has wrought that old English word wrought and not on my works alright if my assurance of salvation is based upon ticking off all these boxes on my good works or my feelings or my pleasing the pastors of this church folks I'm in trouble I am. I'm in trouble. Uh, For as often as I've been called on the carpet in the pastor's office, chances are I'm not saved. If it's my works that I'm trusting in for my assurance. See what I'm saying? John 3.14 when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I think that is a key verse of that chapter of speaking to Nicodemus because Nicodemus knew the story. The story of these people being bitten by these fiery serpents, how were they healed of that venom? By looking upon the brazen serpent. They didn't have to crawl to it. They didn't have to work. All they had to to do was look. All they had to do was look. We do the same thing, folks. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished for us on the cross. We believe in that work on our behalf, and that's what gets us saved. John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath wrath of God abideth on him. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. He shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. How much clearer does it need to be? Honestly. But yet, there are folks, wittingly or unwittingly, want to tack on this checklist. They want to attack on this checklist. Do I have lick Luke Lick? Luke 646? Yes. With a little house tumbling over? Yes. Okay, good. So Lick's lick. I'm so tired. (laughs) Luke (laughs) or luck? (laughs) Uh, I did I did oversleep this morning. I sure did. Luke Luke six forty six through forty nine. He says, "And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show to you, show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now I'm going to say something that probably will create a gasp. On your study guide the issue is one of lordship and not salvation. He says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? See, that's the problem with a lot of people. They're content with Jesus as Savior, but they have issues with Jesus as Lord. They don't want to do what he says. And then they wonder why their house is falling down. So on your study guide, the issue here is that of obedience versus disobedience not about faith unto salvation he says whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them versus but he that heareth and doeth not what do you do with the information you're, is given to you do you reject it or do you put it in practice now if we were to tie this to salvation then the faith plus works folks would be right they would be right And the faith, and the, and the, and the, and the saved by grace folks would be wrong. Now dispensationally, and that's where this passage is, dispensationally the house of Israel did fall. Why did it fall? Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Jesus Christ the Messiah showed up, they didn't receive Him as their Messiah, and so that house fell in 70 AD it fell because of unbelief but their house will be restored in the millennial kingdom but what will happen prior to that restoration of the house their their backs will be against the wall in the the tribulation it will appear as though the antichrist and those other armies will, will wipe them out and then they will call out to him in whom they have pierced By faith in Jesus Christ, at that time, they will call out to Jesus Christ, faith in him as their Messiah, and he will deliver them. And then their house will be restored in the Millennial Kingdom. That's the cliff notes of that whole thing. That's the cliff notes of that whole thing. But there's now a new house. What is that new house, folks? What is the new house? begins with a C. Christ. Well yeah Christ, he's the head of that house. but who what, what's the house? Church. There you go. The church. Ephesians 2:19 now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus is Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. I kind of talked about that when we went to Hebrews and I talked about Jesus Christ being the high priest and being, you know, he had his own house. Moses had his house. He was the steward of his house. Jesus Christ now has, has his house now. That's you and me. That's the church. That's the church. In, his, in regards to works and salvation, you know, some folks in the Gospel of John, they asked Jesus, he said, they said, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? He said in John six twenty nine, this is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. That you believe on Him whom He hath sent. It's belief. It's belief so on your study guide some other examples will be found in God's word about this issue of our assurance is your blank of eternal life being based upon whom we believe on and not what we do Okay, we're talking about our assurance remember when Martha confronted Jesus when he arrived in Bethany and due to his delay and he did that on purpose and her brother Lazarus passed away. Is that passage? Do I have that passage on your worksheet? Yes. Yeah. At least, at least I did some things right. And he died. His body was in the tomb. Here's the conversation. Luke, uh, John, John, eleven, twenty-one. I've got Luke on the brain. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God God will give it thee that's faith there folks Jesus saith unto her thy brother shall rise again Martha saith unto him I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, that should come into the world. That's all that he asks. Do you believe that? If you believe that, folks, then your salvation is assured. Your salvation is assured. When Philip, in the book of Acts, spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch is that passage in your sheet yes. wow Acts 8:27. 27 and he arose and went behold a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace king, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet and the spirit said unto Philip go near and join thyself to this chariot And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he answered Philip that he would come up, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shear; so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for this for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. Get a hold of this. And preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then he got baptized. But notice it says, Philip preached unto him Jesus. Right? Preached unto him Jesus. When Paul spoke to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16.30 and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a good question. I wish more people would ask that question. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing God with all his house. Notice they preached unto him, Jesus, and he believed what was preached. He believed what was preached. So on your study guide. Here in the Philippian jailer's case, we do see evidence of a changed life. Evidence is your blank. A changed attitude towards the things of God. Obedience and being baptized. Ministering to Paul and Silas' wounds and feeding him. And I do believe God's word speaks about this. I do. What was the last one? Uh, ministering. Ministering to Paul and Silas' wounds. And I don't take issue with that. That's not my issue. This is on your study guy. What I take issue with is the tendency to put the emphasis on good works over faith in the assurance of eternal life. Faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished. What if I don't have some of these boxes ticked off? What if there's like 20 boxes and I only have 5 ticked off? Or 24 ticked off? Right? When Jesus spoke to the man born blind, I'm going to guess I've got John 9.30 on there. Yes. Alright, the man answered and said unto them, Wherein, why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him, that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? There's no boxes to be ticked there, folks. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him see I think that's the problem with a lot of folks they don't hear about the real Jesus in the Bible they hear of some other goofy Jesus they don't hear about the real Jesus so that's why there's so much confusion he answered and said who is he Lord that I might believe on him Jesus said unto him thou hast both seen him and is he that talketh with thee and he said Lord I believe and he worshipped him You worshipped him. So on your study guide, the thinking is your blank that a believer can believe in Jesus Christ without really knowing whether they really believed, to me, is not biblical. Of course you can know if you truly believe or not. I think sometimes doubt is interjected in people's minds because of something like this okay that's why I take such strong issue with this works proving somebody saved or not if you don't have enough works and you may not be saved why interject that doubt show them what God's word clearly says and God will take care of the rest of it in lesson two of discipleship one on eternal life, we have this statement made on page nine. Uh, letter C. God knows you are saved, but you also should be convinced of your salvation. Is there a time that you know of that you did receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus? Okay, I've got to be careful here. Do you know of a time that you have received Christ as your Savior? Now I'm not like our Pastor Brian who can give you the date. Which he does a lot. I can't give you the date. But I can put you in my car and drive you to the very spot. That I recognized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior and called out to Jesus to save me. I can take you to that very spot. Now, I can't tell you what date it was. But I know I did. I know I did. And I believe that's true of anyone who's been born again. I believe that's true of anyone who has been born again. They know. Now, their life may obscure that knowledge. (laughs) Or that life may bring about some wonder but you know you know in John chapter John chapter 1 verse 35 again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked he saith behold the Lamb of God and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. This is a record of John who wrote the gospel, John who wrote this epistle of his first time that he met Jesus. He even knows the hour. Why? Why? Because for him, it was a life-changing encounter. If you have received Christ as your Savior, you know it. I'm saying you know it. There may have been people who try to obscure it. But if you're truly saved, you should know it. You should know that you have new life. First, uh, in uh, Paul... On his, on the way to Damascus. <laughs> he got knocked off his horse. Right? He got saved. I mean, in a big way, he got saved. <laughs> 2nd Timothy 1.10 he says but it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles for the which cause I also suffer these things nevertheless I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day so on your study guide, and I'm going to have to stop here, one's conversion, I'm going to use that word, one's conversion, one's new birth, one's, you know, moment of salvation, may not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's, but one can know whether or not they have believed in Jesus Christ. And how can I know? Well, I'm going to pick that up when we meet two Sundays from now. Okay, but you can know, and you should know, and you should know. So, did all your blanks get filled in? Okay, let's go ahead and, and close out in a word of prayer, and then we'll continue on with our with our um, worship and ministry. And uh, Sunday, uh, our Sunday, uh, Lord's Day. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, that we can know. Uh, we know that you know us and we can know you. Uh, Father in heaven, I thank you for that day that um, after being witness to, having Jesus preach to me, Lord, in that little tiny bathroom, in that little tiny apartment with my new bride in the other room, I sat there, Lord, on that stool with your Bible open, going through all of those passages. And, Lord, seeing the truth of your word and how your light flooded my soul, that, Lord, at that moment, I called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Now, I don't remember the day. I don't even remember the year. But I do remember. And, Father in heaven, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, you did die for my sins. I do believe that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I know, Lord, believing in you, I have salvation. And I think that is true of all of us. I pray, Father in heaven, as we are inundated with all of these other voices, that we hold fast to the sound words of your word. For that is our assurance, what saith the word of God. Help us, Father, to hang tight onto that. Because that is our only security, our only hope, our only assurance. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.